him. I can't tell any stories of God on Noah. Uh, other than I can see in him a person seeking God's heart and serve the Lord. Welcome, Tom. <clears throat> Good morning. It's my joy and pleasure to be here. I look forward to getting to know all of you guys and spend the next eight weeks with you guys. Um, And we're just going to go ahead and open up with prayer, so if you'll bow. Father God, we just thank you for bringing us all here this morning to just focus on you and you alone and to give you all of our praise and worship and honor. Father, I just ask that you be with Marilyn's family uh, as they're going through a difficult time, struggling with the loss of a loved one, as that's never easy. Father, I just ask that you be with me this morning, speak through me, give me the words that you want these people to hear, your children. God, just please let us have a blessed morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, so when I was thinking about coming here, I had a list of sermons that I wanted to preach, and I had a good amount prepared in advance as to what I wanted to talk to you guys about, but one thing that I could just never nail down is what I wanted to preach about this first week. And it was starting to grow on me, it's starting to get a little frustrating because time was getting closer and closer. I still had no idea what I wanted to preach to you guys about, and I was starting to get a little frustrated. And then last week, uh, Mark gave me a call, and he told me that a dear member of the church, Marilyn Blackburn, passed away. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. It was very much a God thing. And this morning, we're going to be talking about how difficult times can bring us closer to God. And so to start off, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play a video clip. uh, So if you guys get that ready. And this video clip is about a guy named Inky Johnson. He is a football player. uh, He was a football player at the University of Tennessee. And he had to go through some difficult times. So if we could have that video. But when I got up to the University of Tennessee, it was simple. It was simple for me to give everything I had. My freshman year, I played special teams. My sophomore season, I broke the star lineup, had a really strong sophomore season. The summer heading into my junior year, I still remember the day where I was sitting in our film room and I was watching film on the California Bears. My defensive backs coach, Larry Slade, came in the room. He said, Inky, I got some good news for you. I dropped the clicker. I said, what is it? He said, man, you're projected top 30 draft pick, son. He said, all you have to do is play the next 10 football games. You're an automatic multimillionaire. I went out of the room. I called my mother and my grandmother on the three-way. I said, after this season, there will be no more struggle. I said, we would never miss another meal. I said, we would never experience another Christmas where we have to stand on the side of the curb and just be grateful. And I hung it up. First football game, I went out and played great. Got an interception. Shut Cal down. Second game, we're playing against Air Force. Got late in the game, fourth quarter. Guy dropped back. He threw the ball to a receiver coming out of my sideline. Me and the guy, we went head on. Soon as I hit the guy, I felt as if every breath of my body left. Body went completely limp, fell to the ground. I blacked out. Never happened to me before. When my eyes opened, I'll never forget. My teammates ran over. They said, Ink, get up. Let's go. I said, I can't. I said, I can't move. He said, what do you mean you can't move? You're on lockdown corner, man. We need you. Let's go. I said, I know, man, but this time I can't move. I flipped my head up to the sky. I said, God, I said, surely nothing is happening in this moment that can alter my life. They got me over to the hospital. They took me back. They ran CAT scans. They brought me back into my room. And all in a 15-second time frame, the doctor came running in from the opposite side. He said, hey, get in there. We got to rush this guy back to emergency surgery. He's about to die. 
said, what? He said, son, you have busted up to play the artery in your chest. You're bleeding internally. We have to rush you back, take the main vein out of your left leg, plug it into your chest in order to save your life. When I opened my eyes from recovery, the same doctor was over me. He said, son, has some good news and some bad news for you. I said, you got some bad news for me? I have to tell him I was about to die. I'm still alive. How bad can it get? I'm still here. He said, the good news is we saved your life. I said, thank you, sir. He said, the bad news is, Ink, you have nerve damage in your right shoulder. I said, okay, cool. He said, but son, it's a strong possibility that you probably can never play the game of football again in your life. I said, no way. I said, no disrespect to you, doc, but I've been working for this ever since I was seven years old. I said, no disrespect to you, doc, but you wasn't in the park with me and my mother when I was seven years old and she was sending that Buick Regal after she got done working at Wendy's. No disrespect to you, doc, but you didn't come up in that two-bedroom home, 14 people sleeping on the floor. No disrespect to you, doc, but you didn't miss those meals and stay focused and never made an excuse. Yep, that's good. Thank you. So that was a guy named Inky Johnson. Uh, in the, er, earlier in the video, I talked about how he had a tough upbringing. He raised up in a two-bedroom house with 14 people in it. Um, he lived with his uncles. His uncles were going in and out of prison. Uh, nobody in his family has ever gone to any college. They didn't have any further education outside of high school. So to say the very least, Inky Johnson, he had a very tough upbringing. He had a difficult time through his childhood. But Inky, he worked through it. He practiced football nonstop every day, every night. And he worked really hard, him and his cousin. And they said, we're going to make it to the NFL. And so Inky practiced and practiced and eventually made it to the University of Tennessee. And uh, his, his defensive backs coach told him that, hey, listen up, Inky. You just play this next season and you are set to play in the NFL to complete his dream of playing in the NFL. And you are set to make multi-million dollars to help support your family. And I can't imagine what Inky was feeling as this is his dream finally coming to real life. And then just in the second game of the season, just in an instant, all of that disappeared. His chance of playing in the NFL disappeared. Unfortunately, as he was a childhood, the difficult times did not stop then. It didn't stop after he persevered and drew closer to his goal. But when he was that close, everything disappeared, and his future in the NFL was over. Now, there are two ways that Inky could have reacted to this injury that ended his football career. The first way is that Inky could have self-pitied himself, he could have doubted God, and he could have quit trying to make a difference in this world. Now, fortunately for us, that's not what Inky Johnson did. Now, Inky Johnson, when he had this tough situation, this difficult time, he pushed through it, and he tried to make a difference in the world. And that's exactly what we need to do. We can apply this story to our lives as Christians, as we're all going to face difficult times. Life is not going to be easy at all times, unfortunately. But when we face a difficult situation, we have two options as Christians. The first option is that we can turn away from God. Now, there are many atheists in the world today, unfortunately. But many of them are atheists not because of some deep intellectual thinking. Rather, many of them are atheists because of their own personal stories. Personal stories of times of death of loved ones or being handicapped, or any other bad thing that has happened. They question, why could there be, how could there be a God? Why would God let that happen to me? Now, the second option when we're faced with a difficult time, 
is that we can seek God. We can draw close to God. And that's exactly what we need to do. Because in times of difficult, difficulty, we need, there's two choices, either to fall away or to follow God. And too many times, people choose to fall away from God. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at a man in the Bible who faced many difficult times, and his name is Job. So if you go ahead and flip to me in the book of Job, or there'll be, the verses will be back there. We're going to start off in Job chapter 1. Job is one of the five books of poetry or wisdom literature, and it's thought to have taken place around the patriarchal era, the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. And so if we read in Job chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it reads, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man, this man Job, was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So what we have here described in verse 1, Job, he was a man who was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Job, he was the greatest man of the whole east. So this Job, he was a righteous man and followed God, and it seemed to be that God was blessing him. Life was going great for Job. He was living a rather blessed and luxurious life. But unfortunately for Job, uh, the book does not end after five verses. Uh, we would probably not be reading about Job if the book did end here because there, there's many good Christians out in the world who have a good life and Job is no different. He was a Christian who sought God, who was blameless in his ways and upright and he feared God and he was living a good life. But then we read unto verse 13. It reads, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Now I want you guys to pay attention. And the start of the verse says, Now there was a day. Everything that we're about to read is taking place in one day, one 24-hour period. And it continues in verse 14. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabines fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. 
and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So here, in this one day, Job gets some bad news. A messenger comes and he says, Hey, Job, I got some bad news. The Sabaeans came and they struck down your servants. Now, if there were just that one messenger, that would be sad news that someone would have the nerve to come and strike down his servants, the people that he loved, I'm sure. But while that messenger was still speaking, while he was still speaking that many of your servants are dead, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and consumed your sheep and more of your servants. <laughs> now Job is probably thinking, man, this day is going bad. I can't imagine how it could be going any worse. My servants are dying. My sheep are now dead. But while that second messenger was still speaking, while he was still speaking, a third messenger came. And he said, the Chaldeans came and struck down your camels and more of your servants. <laughs> man, Job cannot get a break. Keeps on hearing of these people coming to the fire of God, coming down and killing his servants or his camels and his sheep. All of his wealth and his possessions are just going down the drain. The people who serve him, the people who he love, are dying by the second in an instant for Job. But then yet, while that third messenger was still speaking, after all this bad news, fourth messenger came and said, I'm sorry, Job. I hate to say this. I'm the only one escaped. But your seven sons and your three daughters, they're dead. They died. It's got to be the worst day of Job's life. In an instant, everything changed for him. His servants, gone. His sheep, his camels, gone. But most of all, his ten children. He didn't know they were going to go. He didn't get a chance to say bye to his children. Just imagine the parents with the great love for their children. Just imagine having your children gone in an instant like that without even having the chance to say bye. And that's what Job was going through. Now they say life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And for Job, that 10% that day, the 10% of his servants dying, his camel and sheep, and most of all, all of his children dying in the same day, that 10%, that 10% sucked. There's no other way to put it. It sucked for Job. He was going through a difficult time. For just 24 hours earlier, Job was living a luxurious life, an easy life, because he was a righteous man. He was upright and blameless in the eyes of God. And Job was a good man living a good life, but just in an instant, that all changed through this difficult time. Now the question is, if 10% of life is what happens to you, and 90% is how you react to it, how did Job react to this difficult time, this time that I hope none of us would ever have to go through an unimaginable thing that has happened to him. But we read in verse 20, this is how Job is reacting to this awful situation. And Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb 
and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So here we have Job going through this difficult time. And what does Job do? Well, most of us would expect Job would weep and be sorrowful and maybe be a little bitter towards God, that God would allow this to happen to him because Job, he was a good man. He was blameless. He was upright in his ways. And if I were Job, I think I might be a little bitter as to why God would be allowing this to happen. Not one, not two, not three messengers bringing bad news, but four messengers bringing bad news and all of his children dead in an instant. But no, Job's reaction is what makes this so beautiful. Reason verse 20, and he fell on the ground and worshipped. Job worshipped God through his hardest times in life. That's what made him a blameless and upright person and one who feared God and turned away from evil. He fell on the ground and worshipped. God. We all go through difficult times. And Job here is no different. He went through this difficult time of everything pretty much gone in an instant without being able to say bye. And Job responds by falling on the ground and worshiping God. Now the rest of the book of Job is about the trials and persecutions that Job is going through and his friends questioning uh, as to why all these bad things are happening to Job. Because that's, that's a valid question. Why are these bad things happening to Job? Because isn't he a blameless and upright person? Why are these bad things happening to him? And so if we go along in the story, all these, these, his friends are questioning this, and he's going through these trials and these persecutions. But if we go to the last chapter of Job, Job chapter 42, and we're just going to read one verse, verse 5. It reads, and this is Job talking to God in a prayer. And he says, I have heard of you, Yahweh, by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So what Job is saying here is that before he was going through all these difficult times and hard times, when life was good for him, when he was a blameless and upright person, he had heard of God before. He had heard of the name of Yahweh, and he was close to him. But through these difficult times, Job describes his relationship as God as he now sees the Lord. If it weren't for those difficult times, if it weren't for his children dying and his servants dying and his camels and sheep dying, he would have just have heard of the Lord. But it was because of that difficult time that Job was going through that he may now see with his eyes the Lord as he experienced the Lord closer than he ever has before. Now when we're going through difficult times, uh, such as dealing with the loss of Maryland, um, this beautiful funeral and visitation on Friday and Saturday, and we're going through those difficult times. We become very vulnerable. We are beaten up. It's rough losing one of your loved ones. And we feel as if we have nowhere else to turn. I'm sure Joe felt that way. When he lost all of that he had, I'm sure he felt that he had nowhere else to turn but to God himself, his heavenly father, his daddy. 
And that's what we need to do as we're vulnerable and we feel like we can't go anywhere else and we're just seeking for comfort. The best place to find comfort in a difficult time is from God, seeking a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, Yahweh. Now, too often, when I was dealing with the loss of my grandpa, I would question God, God, why? Why? He was a great man. He was a great man. He was counseling many people for baptism. I was questioning, why, God? Why would you let this happen? It just didn't make sense to me. It still doesn't completely make sense to me. And I'm sure many of you guys question now with the passing of Marilyn Blackburn. As she was a positive influence within the church, a positive person to have around in a church, a godly woman, a sweet lady from what I heard at the funeral visitation. Why, God? Why would you let her pass away? She was adding so much value in the lives of so many people. Why, God? But maybe instead of asking God why, why would you let this happen? Maybe we should be asking God, how can we draw closer to you? How can we draw closer to you? Through this difficult time, when it seems that all is going wrong, we lose our loved ones, God, not why, but how can we draw closer to you through this difficult time? God wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you guys out there. He's a loving God. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. The son whom he loved so much, his perfect son, he sent his son to die on the cross. It was no easy act, but why did God do it? Why? It's because he wants a personal relationship with each and every one of you guys. The story doesn't end there though. Each and every one of us are going to go through difficult times in life. We should all keep Maryland's family in our prayers and just the church in general in our prayers going through this loss because it is a difficult time. It is difficult losing a loved one. And we all go through those difficult times. And we all know that God wants a relationship with us. And we can learn from the story of Job that Job, he was a good man. But life, that 10% of life that you just can't control, it sucked for him. But he reacted. The 90% of life, how you choose to react, Job chose to react in a positive way. He chose to draw close to God. And that's exactly what we need to do through these difficult times. Be prepared to go through difficult times. Boy, sometimes I wish that the Bible assured us that life would be easy as Christians but that's just not the case. On the contrary, we see many people in the Bible, such as Job, go through difficult times because of their faith as their, his friends were questioning and persecuting him. So be prepared to go through those hard times. But even more, be prepared to draw close to God in those hard times. As we may hear of God in our easy times, we may hear of him, of how great and a marvelous and wonderful and loving God he is, but it's not until that we go through those hard times, that we really begin to see God at work and really see what he is doing and we can see him and have the deep and firm relationship. 
And now dealing with the loss of a loved one is never easy. But as Russ said uh, yesterday morning at the funeral, um, it's easier for us. It's easier for us Christians to go through the loss of a loved one. And he is completely true. I cannot agree with him anymore. It's true. It is difficult. Don't get me wrong. It is difficult. It's hard losing a loved one, but it's easier. And Paul demonstrates that in the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, or in other words, dead, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, can I get an amen? Even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. With the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What a comforting passage that is as us Christians going through the loss of loved ones. Paul says that we, but that we may not be un- uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do. Now, of course, we're still going to grieve for the loss of Marilyn, especially with the loss so recent. We're still going to mourn, and that's all right. But take comfort. Take comfort in these words. That one day, one day, as Jesus says in John chapter 11, that everyone who believes and lives in Jesus shall never die in the age to come. Well, from what I hear of Marilyn, she was a woman who believed and lived in Jesus. And mark my words, there will be a never-ending celebration in the coming kingdom, as, as God's kingdom descends onto earth, there will be a never-ending celebration. From what I hear, I'm assured that Marilyn will be there, and we will be able to celebrate with her, celebrate her life, our lives, as people who follow Jesus, as people who seek a relationship with God, as God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. But Jesus didn't just die on the cross. On the third day, he rose from the grave. Can I get another amen? And that's exactly what is going to happen to Marilyn. And that's exactly what's going to happen to us one day with the coming of God's kingdom. And boy, do I look forward to God's kingdom. But before we get there, we're going to go through some more hard times. We're going to go through some more difficult times. But take light. Because one day there is a kingdom. And it's through those difficult times, through those hard times, that we develop a relationship with the Lord. And it's through that relationship, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we may enter God's coming kingdom. Can I get an amen? Let's pray. Father God, you are just so magnificent and wonderful and loving. And we thank you, God, for the sacrifice of your perfect son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross so that one day 
We can live eternally with you and your son in Maryland and with all, our, all of our other loved ones who have given their life over to Christ. And God, we just thank you for that promise. We cannot ask for any more. We cannot ask more than a never-ending celebration with those that we love. Father, we love you. Just be with us through these difficult times. Just let us know that you are here when it seems like all is going wrong, we can't turn anywhere else. That Father, we can turn to you for you are loving. You are a perfect, loving, heavenly Father. You are our Daddy. And God, I just ask that you be with the family of Maryland. Just give them comfort and just reassure them that one day there will be a never-ending celebration. And just assure them that they can draw close to you this hard time, that they may finally see you through this hard time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.